because I think that's what the arts is about. It, it's helping to make challenging times more bearable. And we saw so much during the pandemic that I think is so inspiring, you know? Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Law Blacks one-to-one podcast. My name's Chris Allen and I'm the managing partner of Black Solicitors. We're a law firm based in Leeds, West Yorkshire. Now I've worked in West Yorkshire now for over 30 years and during that time I've met plenty of interesting people in the business world and the sports world. I'm looking forward to catching up with some more of those people in the near future and sharing with you their stories, some anecdotes and, and even possibly some advice. Above all, I hope that you find these interviews and podcasts interesting, engaging and even educational. If you enjoy the podcast, then please give it a positive review, tell all your friends and talk it up in the pub and on social media. And if you don't, then just remember what I do for a living before you get carried away. My guest today, uh, it's a real treat having her here, is an opera singer and actress, Wallace Junta. Now based in Leeds, Wallace hails from Ottawa in Canada. And as you might expect, if you live in these neck of the woods, Wallace is a regular contributor to Opera North and also performs around the world. In 2018, Wallace won the Young Singer of the Year at the International Opera Awards, and I'm looking forward to hearing how Wallace's career has developed and what a normal day is for an opera singer in 2021. So, uh, Wallace, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Chris. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay, I mean, obviously, selfishly, uh, because of the Leeds connection, uh, I want to get at some point to Opera North and how you've been performing for them but just give me give uh, give the listeners a little bit of background how do we set off uh enjoying singing how do we develop into opera and what bro- what brought you to Leeds well it's a bit of a long story but I'll I'll make it succinct if I can um I've sung since I was a child um in choirs singing lessons and lots of little musical theater shows in my hometown in Ottawa and basically, since I was about seven or eight, I've known that I wanted to be a singer, and that was going to be it for me. So I took all the, the steps that one would take along the way and ended up um, doing an undergrad in, in singing in uni in Canada. Um, and that led to further studies at Juilliard in New York, a couple of young artist programs, which is like an apprenticeship at an opera company. Like if you were um, in a trade, an electrician, you'd apprentice with a, a master electrician and so they do the same thing with opera singers. They, they put us at, in these training programs, essentially, where we understudy and work alongside the, the masters in our field. So I've done one of those in Toronto at Canada's National Company, and then in uh, New York at the Metropolitan Opera. That was in my, my mid-20s, early to mid-20s. And then I really just started going for it as a professional and working here and there. And I was quite lucky to have several opportunities at the early stages of my career starting around 25 26 where I was given quite a lot of um, a big platform I would say Uh, I was given some really great opportunities early on that kind of kick-started things for me and I ended up in in Germany in my late 20s I'm 35 now by the way so kind of not that young anymore but um, I got a job at a company in Leipzig in Germany, which is one of the bigger houses in Europe. And it's a permanent position, so I was literally on a salary. It's 
only really possible in a few countries in Europe. They have this system where opera singers can can make a, a monthly wage and just work at one house. Um, and I didn't only work at that house. Um, they loaned me out pretty often to other places, one of which was Opera North. Uh, in 2017, I got three contracts or sort of three operas in one year here in Leeds at Opera North. Um, and that is actually what led to me winning that award the next year in 2018. It was based on my work at Opera North primarily in 2017. Um, so yeah, I, I got the jobs here in Leeds. Uh, I think it was because someone had cancelled. They had someone lined up to sing Cinderella for their 2017 winter show, January, February. And I believe she had to withdraw not that far in advance, maybe six months before, five, five, or, five or six months before. So they were calling around and seeing who was available and who knew the role of Cinderella. This is the Rossini opera, Cenerentola, Cinderella. And I had just done it in Leipzig, in Germany. And I sent them a video, I think. And they said, oh, that sounds pretty good. Would you come over and sing it for us? So I, I did, um, I think, two auditions, actually, over the course of a few weeks for them. And I got the job. And then that led to the other two shortly after. So. And that's interesting. You, had, you, you still had to audition. You, you, I did. They, they became aware of you. They'd, they'd seen your video. Yeah. But you still have to audition. Sometimes you don't. Um, Opera North is quite thorough, and I respect that about them um, because they really have a, a family ethos at the company. They care about how an individual singer will fit into their their network, their framework, and they want to meet you. They want to see what you're like to work with. So they actually uh, they paid for me to come over and audition for them, which is, is a real um, rarity in this industry. Usually you pay for your own audition. If a company's interested, it's on your dime. Um, and sometimes they'll, they'll take you on an, on an uh, audition video without a live appearance. Um, that's becoming more and more common now because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But pre-pandemic, it was pretty rare that you didn't have to sing live. And that's because voices sound so different live than they do uh, recorded sometimes. And a lot of companies like to hear you in their own theater to know that you'll sound good in, in I don't know, it's just a thing. Yeah, sure, yeah. totally understand. So in terms of Ottawa then, is I mean, how big is Ottawa compared to, say, Leeds? I think it's about double the population. Right. It's quite large. It's, it's one of the largest in Canada, isn't it? Yeah, uh, one of the top, top five, I'd say. Yeah. Toronto's so, the biggest, for and, sure. And is it renowned for opera? Not Ottawa, at all. Not at all. So. <laughs> Not at all. In fact, we don't even have an opera company anymore in Ottawa. We did when I was growing up, up until maybe five or six years ago, but uh, they went out of business. Um, I think there was some issues with the management, and we don't have one anymore. It's quite oh, sad. I'm hoping that changes. This podcast is, needless to say, sponsored by Black Solicitors. Black's is a law firm based in Leeds, and we provide a range of commercial, property and private client services to clients throughout the United Kingdom. Obviously, I'd love you to enjoy this podcast and then use our services on any legal issues you have going forward. If you visit lawblacks.com, you'll see the kind words that existing clients have had to say about the services we provide. Now, back to the podcast. So, 
Well, I, you know, you, anybody listening to this can 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 look at Wikipedia, and they'll see lots of cities around the world mentioned: Lyon, Sydney, Montpellier, Leipzig, Leeds. Um, how do you manage all that? How do you manage your bookings? How do you, you know, how do you commit yourself to something and then think, oh no, I've missed. I've now committed myself to something in Montpellier. I've missed out on the job in Leeds. Or how how have oh. you gone about that? You know, it is sometimes quite tough. You have to be a bit ruthless with yourself in this industry because it's always the way that a, a job will come along, you know, you'll take it, and then the next day two more better paying, better opportunities will come along, and you just have to go, nope, 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 I've already said yes, I've already signed it, just let it go, let it go, it'll come around again. as constantly, and then there'll be nothing for six months, you know. It never rains, but it pours. Um, but I'm really lucky to have uh, two wonderful management firms, actually. I started out with a Canadian manager in Toronto, Dean Artist Management, and they took me from age 23. I was still in uni, and they've been with me all the way through, so 12 years now. Um, and then also about five years ago, I signed with a firm in London called Intermusica, and they they actually handle now my my whole international bookings except for Canada. and my Canadian firm just does Canada. They're quite specialized there. Um, so they basically work together with me to fill my calendar. Everyone has a different relationship with a manager in, in opera and performing arts, but the way that we work, um, I'd say their main function for me is setting up auditions, looking for opportunities like they know, for example, what each company is doing two, three, four years out. That's how opera companies plan. So they'll look through the list and go, oh, okay, there's something that would work for Wallace. There's something nice. And then they'll suggest me to the company. And the next time that, that company's doing auditions, we'll try and work it out so that I can go. Um, so there's, there's about 50% that. And then the other 50% is places that I've worked already or people, conductors or directors that know me already. They will um, sometimes just request me. Things will come in and I won't have to audition. And the idea as you develop in this career is that it'll be more of the latter and less of the former. So you'll actually start getting hired off your reputation. Um, I mean, the, the goal would be all of the time. Right now it's about 50-50. And my manager, um, just, they just field the inquiries coming in and they set up auditions for me when, when there aren't any. And when contracts do come through, they, uh, they do all the paperwork and, and negotiating and stuff for me. Um, but I actually do a fair bit of the networking myself um, because I have quite a, a wide network now at this point. It was less so earlier, but now it's, it's really kind of on me and my reputation. And has social media been useful to you? I mean, you, you have a website, uh, yeah. Instagram. Uh, I don't know if you're on Facebook. Yeah, or, yeah, no, I've got... You know, has that, do you think that's been useful in actually securing bookings or raising your profile or how, how have you gone about using social media? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it does actually help. Some people say, oh, well, I, I don't want to have that because I want to focus on the music and that's fine. You know, if you don't feel like you want to use that tool, um, no, no judgment. But to me, it's been quite useful, especially YouTube, I would say. Um, it's amazing how many companies will just go on YouTube, look you up, listen to the first few things that come up and make a decision before they even speak to your manager or hear you in an audition. They'll make a decision about whether or not they're interested. And 
you know, I did say earlier that everyone knows that a voice sounds different live, but a lot of companies, I won't say they're lazy, but they're a bit up against it in terms of their budgets and um, trying Res- to resources. Yeah, resources generally. trying to get things through. So they'll they'll be a bit cutthroat and they'll just they'll look and see what you've got online and if it sparks an interest, then they'll probe further. And luckily, I have a huge amount of stuff online. I have a habit of recording myself every time I do a concert. I hire a videographer, and I also do film and, and audio editing myself. I studied that in uni as well. So I prepare, um, as best I can, really nice quality recordings from as many concerts as I can. And I put them all out there. Once in a while, it works against me. If someone's looking for something specific and they're able to see that I'm not that, then they won't they won't call. But because I have so much material, so much content out in the world, it has it has brought in a lot of opportunities for me. And I would encourage young singers or artists of any discipline to really just put themselves out there. Yeah. You have very little to lose. I would say almost nothing to lose as long as what you put out is is a good representation. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as you control the output, then, yeah. then, then it is. Yeah, and as well, far as well like a social media following, um, mm. helping my profile, I don't know if it really does, but it doesn't hurt. And yeah. I think it generates interest. Once you're at a company, once they do hire you, I think they're more likely to want to have you back and more likely to want to work with you to build an audience base if they see that you have a platform and you have um, quite a, a, a draw you know, if you have 20,000 followers or something, then that's something they can work with. And they look at you on the balance and go, oh, well, she she might be someone who could help our company overall if we can work together on our social media efforts. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's useful. And 2018, this award talk to me about the, winning the, uh, the the Young Singer of the Year award. I mean, it was that expected out the blue, blown away or just an excellent marketing tool you can use? How? What was he? It was really out of the blue. Uh, I mean, I knew that I'd been nominated, but that was also a shock. I wasn't expecting to be nominated. I actually, to be honest, I didn't even know that that award was out there. I knew about the International Opera Awards, but I, I wasn't really on the radar that they had a Young Singer Award. And I was also 32, so I didn't think of myself <laughs> as, as young singer of eligible. Yeah. It's all relative. Like, opera singers get a late start because we have to train for a really long time. Like a doctor, you know? Like a doctor in their 30s is still considered, a, or maybe even a lawyer, mm-hmm. a relatively young lawyer. But in almost any other discipline, by 32, you should be at least eight to 10 years into your career, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't think of myself as eligible, but apparently it's uh, it's a loose, uh, it's young in, in you know quotations. So uh, that was a real shock. And then I went to the awards because I was in, in the area I think I was in in the UK for something else, and I just my manager said, you know, be good to go, put in an appearance. Um, even being nominated is an honor, so you should be there and and see everybody. And I was not expecting at all to to be chosen. Um, I was really flabbergasted, and I didn't have anything. I didn't have a speech or anything prepared. Huh. There were ten singers, you know, with wonderful careers and. I don't know what happened, but um, I'm so honored. And it's been really, I would say, yeah, a really helpful career tool. Um, I don't know. Again, I can't measure how much it's actually helped or whether any work has come in directly because of it, but it can't have hurt, yeah. you know. Well, congratulations again. Now, oh, thank you. With a little bit of uh, uh, clever editing here from my colleague Shane, we're now going to listen to a piece of uh, Wallace's 
performance. So I'm going to leave that with you for the next 30 seconds and we're going to play a bit more at the very end of this podcast. So uh, en enjoy this. Welcome back. Uh, can I, as interested about the award, you said I didn't prepare a speech. You will, I presume they did hand you the microphone and you did do a speech in front of quite an audience, but then you perform in front of audiences. Just talk to me about the, the, the fear of public speaking and the fear of public performances. How, how have you dealt with that? Because lots yeah. of people listening to this will probably be sat listening, thinking... Oh, there's no way I could do that. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of um, this Jerry Seinfeld quote, and I don't know where he got this statistic, but I have verified it, that it's been confirmed, if you ask people, that they'd be more afraid, if they had to be at a funeral, of giving the eulogy than being in the casket. <laughs> the fear of public speaking is so strong that they'd rather be... <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So... I don't know what happened along the way, but I actually don't have that. And I'm grateful for it because it makes this a lot easier for me. Uh, not that public speaking per se is a big part of my career, but just generally public performing, you know, mm -hmm. being out in front of a crowd. Um, I would attribute it probably to the fact that I got an early start singing with choirs and doing musicals. I would often get the solo with my choir starting around age nine, you know, and I did proper Broadway musicals in Ottawa with semi-professional amateur companies, and um, I guess I just got it out of my system young. Mm. Um, and also, I've, I've actually had a radio show and done a fair bit of that. I've done a lot of interviews, um, both like this, mm. um, you know, in a studio and, and also live in front of audiences. Just the other day, I did a, a recital for the Proms Festival, and in between songs during the show, we had the lovely Petrock Trelawney come out and do a sort of interview for me while I was in the middle of a, of a performance because wow. it was on, on BBC Three live. So it happens. And I guess, I don't know if there's a secret formula other than just getting used to it. I mean, you, you do this too. You, yeah, sure. you interview people, you, you're on the spot in a sense. And I suppose, would you say now you feel more confident and relaxed than you did for the first episode? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I'm laughing because I do a uh, rel relatively regular slot on radio, BBC Radio Leeds. And, and okay. a lot of other lawyers say to me, I can't believe you do that. And I, I kind of think it goes with the territory. Mm. And you need to do it. But the truth is, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. The mm -hmm. fear of the unknown... Well, somebody even, leaping out and saying, no, you're wrong. You know, it doesn't happen yeah. very often. But even as a yeah. lawyer, too, that's a... A great deal of public speaking right yeah, and you sure. have to have a confidence so I suppose like that like mm. being in a courtroom every time you do it it gets a little easier 
and because I started so young. By the time I really got into my stride in this career, uh, it wasn't something I thought about. It's and if, an I, if I bumped into you on a normal Wednesday, but you're doing a performance at Opera North in the evening, are you are you able to just have a quote normal day? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, do, do, does when does the adrenaline? There must be some adrenaline kicks in for these performances. When when do you start getting irritated by people asking you questions or? To be honest, I don't get irritated. Um, I'm I'm in a pretty good place when I'm performing. I unless there's some major stressor like. You know, somebody's sick and someone's substituting and they don't know the role and or the conductor passed out in the pit. You know, if there's an issue, then it can be stressful. Uh, but most of the time, I actually feel really at ease uh, when I'm about to perform or in the midst of a show. I feel very um, focused. All the distractions kind of fade away. You know, it's not like having blinders on, but you do get this this real sense of um, of calm. Uh, I think when it's going well. Yeah. So the day of a show, it's a normal day. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't really change anything. And and for a show, a performance at Opera North, if you're doing a a, a, a new show there, uh, how much rehearsing are you doing, and how, you know, are you doing that rehearsing at home? Are you doing that down at Opera North? Are you how how much preparation goes into a normal a normal opera? Opera North has a relatively long rehearsal period compared to some companies. Um, we did almost eight weeks, I think, with the three shows um, I've done for them. I've actually done four, but I've done three that were for a live audience. One was a, a digital live stream, so that was a bit different. But the the actual in-person performances, almost two months of rehearsal. rehearsal sorry. And some companies, it's uh, it's only three or four weeks. So it really ranges. Yeah. Um, but on a, on, a, on a rehearsal day, I mean... Sure, there's only so many hours in a day you can yeah. sing. What What is a normal rehearsal day? A normal rehearsal day here at, at Opera North is, I think, 10.30 to 1.30. Then you get an hour lunch and 2.30 to 5.30. And that's the, the bulk of that seven or eight weeks will be six days a week, six hours a day with an mm. hour for lunch. And then once we get to about the week and a half before the opening night, we switch to um, stage rehearsals. So you're actually with the lights and the orchestra and the costumes and it's it's like dress rehearsals almost up to the end those are mostly in the evening so you'll come in at five o'clock you'll have a, a warm-up you'll get into costume hair and makeup and then it starts at seven or so and it's usually done by 10 and then there's about an hour after of notes and taking everything off and so you're in there from five to ten, roughly. And, and and do I take it? I mean, I sense it will be taken very seriously, but there's no mucking about on those evenings uh, in the rehearsals, or is it mm. quite light-hearted? Or well, when the show's actually running, when we're actually rehearsing the thing, we take it seriously. Yeah. I'd suppose we're light-hearted in the sense that if something went wrong, nobody screams at you. You no. know, it's a rehearsal. It's understood that it won't be perfect, but we do have a lot of fun. You know, if you've got a scene, you take it seriously, then you go off stage and maybe you could joke around with someone in your dressing room. Sure. Um, and who's in charge at a rehearsal? Who, who, is, who is stood there saying, this is what we're doing and how we It depends. Doing? There's two different kinds. It's, it's an interesting question because it, it does shift. At the, at the certain point in the final rehearsals, it changes from one to another. It starts with the stage director, the person who's telling you where to stand, who to talk to, what props to pick up. That person is in charge through all of the 
preliminary rehearsals, which take place in a room, um, not on stage, but in a just a big rehearsal room at the Opera North building. Uh, that person does, yeah, they do everything until we get to the stage. Then they have about half of the stage rehearsals where it's their call. They, they're the ones running the rehearsal. And essentially, it means that if there's an issue with anything under their purview, they have the right to stop it, to correct it, and decide how we go. And then about three or four nights before we open, it switches to the conductor, the musical conductor. That person then has the right to say, oh, something was wrong musically, we're going to stop, go back, and do it again from this bit. And if there was anything wrong with the staging, with the, the lights, costume sets, you just have to let it go because it's the conductor's rehearsal and they trump everybody else. Yeah. So it's interesting, yeah. It changes right near the end. Right. Interesting. Thank you. Um, now, there's two... Two other people playing a big part of your life at the moment. Alex Banfield, also mm-hmm. a, a singer. Also a singer. singer. Lovely uh, tenor. I saw him in a show just before the pandemic, which he did very well. Uh, and you've had a baby. We now, have. Now, throw that into the mix and tell me how you're juggling your career, Alex's career, and how we're coping with motherhood. Is the opera world sympathetic to, to small babies on the scene? Actually, yes. And the UK is relatively ahead of the game um, in terms of family-friendly work environments. I'm very grateful. When I was seven months pregnant, um, I did a show for Opera North. I mentioned earlier this digital live stream of The Seven Deadly Sins by Kurt Vile, and they were incredibly accommodating. You know, they, they made sure that I had lots of little, little breaks during the rehearsal process, because you got to pee more often. <laughs> yeah. um, they they had extra stuff and helped me with my costume because I was growing as we went and um, anything I needed, they were literally bending over backwards to make it easy for me. That was wonderful. Um, and then right after, I, I think I was three months um, postpartum, I had a, a proper in-person, like very physical opera in France, in Lyon, um, just June, this past June. So the whole month I was in France and I wasn't sure how that was going to go with with an actual baby. You know, it's one thing to be pregnant, but uh, I wrote them ahead of time, and they knew I had a baby. And I said uh, I would love it if possible to have a space at the theater where I could nurse him, or if he's with me, you know, somewhere that my in-laws who were helping to look after him could um, could sit with him nearby. You know, because I didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, he's a good baby, but he was only three months old, so. They were incredible. They gave me my own dressing room for the whole month. Just, this is your space. Do what you need to do. Your, your baby can come anytime. And the director, luckily, his wife had just had a baby um, like two weeks before we started. So he was totally in that mode. And he was actually thrilled that I had a baby because he was missing his own. And he got lots of squeezes on mine. So it was incredibly baby friendly. I couldn't yeah. believe it. They right. were so accommodating. And Alex, how's, how's his career and, and how are you juggling his performances, your performances? Because, I mean, obviously, if you take a, a contract to appear in Leon for yeah. a month, you know, does Alex come with you or does he, is he too busy doing his own? Well, he, he didn't come for the one in June because he was too busy. It wasn't even just a matter of that. It, it's because of the pandemic. Uh, we were in different countries and there was a quarantine restriction for both of us on either mm-hmm. side so we didn't have an opportunity 
that whole month because he would have had to quarantine for 10 days on, on arrival in France and when he got back to Switzerland where he was mm. working. And obviously, if you're only there for 30 days, you can't spend 20 of them in quarantine. Yeah. No. So if we had had a normal year, he would have been able to come on weekends and yeah. days off. But because of the pandemic, he couldn't. And that was tough. But his parents were there with me. Generally, um, I'd say it's been challenging the whole time since Jordy's been born. That's our, our little boy, Jordy. Mm. Uh, because of the pandemic, we haven't, we've only been together about half of his life so far. Mm. And at the moment, he's, he's in Switzerland. He's got a show tonight, actually. Yeah, right. and Good luck, Alex. <laughs> yeah, toy, toy, toy. <laughs> we won't see him until the weekend. But then he's with us for two months at least, so... That'll be okay. great. So a bit more of normality at that a point. A bit more, yeah. We'll be here in Leeds for, yeah. for two months as a family. And, and as a family, you, you're camped in Leeds now. Mm. Is that because, is Alex from Leeds? or is? No, he's from Morpeth, north, right. of, north of Newcastle. Right. He is sort of a Geordie, so right. <laughs> we've named our child Geordie, but I just like the name, yeah. to be honest. So, But why, 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 why have we based ourselves in Leeds then? Is it? Well, when I met Alex, uh, when I first worked here in 2017, Alex was a, a full-time member of the ensemble at Opera North. And he has been up until basically a year ago. Right. Yeah. Last summer, he, um, he left and he went to Switzerland to join the company in Basel. So he was here, I think, five years. Right. And when I met him and when, when we moved in together, he was full-time here. So it made sense. Yeah. And we just loved it, you know. We live we live in a really lovely neighborhood, and the vibe is great. And it was a wonderful place to have a baby. Yeah. You know, the the healthcare system is fantastic. The midwives are so great. So yeah, I'm just very happy here. Yeah. I'd say. Well, that's listen. That's music to everybody's yeah. ears. You know that, that. You know the whole welcome to Yorkshire uh, campaign is all about telling people how great it is to live in Yorkshire. So so you and Alex are uh, embodying that. So thank you for that. <laughs> So what's next? What's next for you? What's next on the agenda? Where can people see you, hear you, see the performances? There's a fair bit coming up in France and the U.S. So if you're there, then, well, if you're listening to this, you might you might likely be in Yorkshire. But um, I will be leaving in two months, uh, like I said, and from that point, I'll be mostly on the road until next summer. I've got um, Montpellier, as you mentioned earlier. I'm doing actually the same opera that I first did here in Leeds, Cinderella by Rossini, the Italian version of Cinderella. Then I'm going back to Lyon to do more of the same show that I did this past June, which is uh, an Argentinian tango opera. It's really awesome, and it's directed by a circus company, so I get to do some baby acrobatics. I get to go <laughs> on a trapeze. Actually, I really love it. It's super fun. So uh, that takes me through until the end of January, those two things in France, which are basically back-to-back. Um, and then I've got a month off. February, we'll be back here, home for a while. March and April, I'm in Dallas. I'm doing The Barber of Seville. And then I sort of overlap a bit with a show in San Francisco, um, a Baroque opera called Radamisto. That takes me until the end of May, I believe. And then I have something, a quick show in Austria for the first week of June. and then I, I think I have the rest of June free. Right. Don't tell your management company. They'll, they'll be booking you up. Yeah, uh, no, I know. I, I, I've told them, uh, you know, for at least the next little while, I, I don't want to add anything more to the schedule no. because with a baby, we'll, I mean, 
we'll see. We'll just see how this goes. You know. Well, if you want to uh, catch up on on all those events, uh, Wallace's uh, web address is not surprisingly www.wallishunter.com, which is w a w l i s g i u n t a dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you um, are interested in what Opera North are doing in the near future, have a look at uh, operanorth.co.uk. Let's just finish talking about opera generally. Is opera in good shape? Is it uh, our audiences grow? I, I appreciate we've had the pandemic, yeah. but I mean, if we were having this conversation the day before the pandemic, would right. you say opera's in good shape? Is heading in the right direction? Or where, where do you think the opera world is going? I would say it's in good shape. And pandemic notwithstanding, I do believe that... Um, that the future of, of opera and classical music is bright. Some might disagree with me wholeheartedly, but um, I think there's two ways to measure it. You can look at it as a bottom line, and you can go, our ticket sales good, our audience is showing up in droves, our company's in the black. Or you can look at it as, is the art form thriving? Are composers and uh, creators and artists finding inspiration and connecting with people and and providing something meaningful to our society by this the the latter measure i think it's got an incredibly bright future and because of the pandemic i see a great deal of innovation people really thinking outside the box finding ways to connect with people in non-traditional media there's so many more exploratory creative pursuits now than there were in February of 2020. But even then, I was optimistic because I felt and saw a a really strong pulse in our art form um, that maybe isn't generating the revenue that it used to, which makes it difficult for very traditional organizations with old-fashioned an old-fashioned approach, it makes it challenging for them perhaps to to meet their bottom line. But to me, that's not the most important thing. Um, yeah, I want to make a living. It helps because I have a family now and I don't want to have to do something else, I suppose, to, to pay the bills. But I don't need to make a lot. As long as I can be stable, I'm fine with that. And I'd rather be involved in, in things that are really exciting and help inspire me and the people around me and sort of raise the vibration on the earth because I think that's what the arts is about it it's helping to make challenging times more bearable and we saw so much during the pandemic that I think is so inspiring you know people thinking outside the box getting together online if they had to creating things that are truly remarkable Um, and I'm excited to see where that continues to go I don't think that opera and classical music will ever be the same again Wallace, thanks so much. I'd, I'd, listen, I could sit here all afternoon listening to your stories. <laughs> I'm conscious we've got a very small person in the other room yes. who might wake up any minute. So He's having I'm a lovely gonna, nap. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that, everyone. Uh, it's a bit different. I know I normally uh, talk to sports people, but it's just great to talk to somebody like Wallace, hearing the background stories. I'm in, I was intrigued about the rehearsal and, the, and, and, and also by the answer you've provided regarding stage fright or not, as mm. the case was. So, uh, well, good luck with the future, Wallace. Thank you for coming in today. And uh, again, with a little bit of clever editing, we're going to leave you now, not with the Black Signature tune, but instead with uh, Wallace singing. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, everybody, and uh, thanks again. Thank you, Chris. Isn't it
feel.